Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're going to talk about a topic that I actually probably already should have touched down on. I mean, we've had our two-year anniversary, and we're over a hundred episodes, and one would have thought that this would have been a topic, considering this is a paranormal podcast. Granted, travel is involved, but not necessarily. Sometimes people have stay vacations where they just take the time off and sit at home because sometimes staying at home is really the best thing. So what I want to talk about is the home. Activity that's potentially happening in your home. So we're going to cover at least 12 signs that might be a sign that your house is haunted. (laughs) Excuse the pun. So, being honest, when I first purchased the house that I currently own, there wasn't, you know, when I walked through the house, it was a comfortable feeling. But after we moved in, I... So, I know this is going to sound... But I kind of felt that I was seeing this dark entity in my dining room area. And I don't know if it's because I really love the movie Women in Black with Daniel Radcliffe or what. But that's kind of the shape the entity took. And, you know, she was just standing there watching. And it was not a comfortable feeling whatever it was, was not a comfortable feeling. And the curious part is, is that even my mother had said that she kind of sent something bad in the house. And my mother does believe in ghosts, but we're not one to say or exaggerate these types of experiences. We're just not. And then the strangest thing is I'm not, I don't know how it works when somebody dies and their, their spirit is free to wander. But then I got the serious impression that my uncle had recently died. In fact, he died prior to us moving. He died, I want to say, a couple of weeks uh, before all the paperwork was pushed through and, you know, you wait your 60 days and then you move in kind of scenario. And I want to say shortly after we moved in, I started seeing what I believed was my uncle's spirit. And the funny part is, is I saw him as a young man, not the old man who had died. And 
he was always sporting. And I, again, I'm going to rely on you to remember there used to be a, a company, a clothing company called Big Dog, and they would like create these Hawaiian style t-shirts with big St. Bernard dogs on them. And he loved these types of t-shirts or shirts. And so when I would see his spirit, I would always see him wearing this big dog Hawaiian style t-shirt. And after a while, I think he got rid of whatever was in my dining room. And, and because, I mean, I did sage, always sage whenever you move into a new house. It's just best to clear out the energy, anything that was lingering behind, any bad juju from the previous tenants, whatever, whatever. It's just always best to sage and cleanse the area. And I even put salt around the, on the property. So, you know, there's just a few things you can do when you move in. Now, during the course of me being here, there have been very strange and unusual occurrences. And we will get into that as we talk through these 12 potential signature signs that your house or the place that you live, apartment, trailer, or what have you, whatever your scenario is, could potentially be haunted. So let's talk about number one. Number one would be constant or continuous unexplained noises. And I remember the first morning. So we spent the first night and in the morning, I heard the very distinct sound of something hitting like a metal pipe. And it was three strikes. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Because it, I was awake. You don't really sleep deeply when you're in either a new environment or sleeping in an environment you've never slept in before. And it just bolted me right up. And it was like 6.30 in the morning. And I was just like, what was that? And of course, I was the only one that heard it. So, but for the most part, we are talking about constant or consistent noises. Footsteps at night when everything is shut down. We're talking knocks at the door, the windows, or some type of scratching noises in the walls at the door. When, again, nothing should, in theory, be creating these noises. And, again, it's happening at particular times during the day. Now, another is lights. There's the difference between a light bulb going out and letting you know, hey, I'm about to burn out. Versus, hey, it's your spirit guide here. We need to talk. So the lights flickering on and off. And, or, and I actually have had this happen to me before. You know for a fact you turned off the lights or you left the lights on. And you come back and the opposite has happened. For me, not in this particular house, but in a previous house, we went out for ice cream. We went to the local ice cream shop came back and the lights in the house were on. And I was like, I did not leave these lights on. And in conjunction with that, number three is electronics acting strangely, turning on and off by themselves or not working when they're supposed to be working. You have full battery life in your remote control. And whenever I 
think of this as a sign, I actually go back to that movie, Conjuring 2, where the little girl Janet is watching TV and she's flickering through the television with the old bulky remote in her hand and all of a sudden the you know it stops working the the tv shuts off and when that happens you see the spirit or the shadow of the entity that's haunting her house in the the tv screen the black tv screen so when electronics themselves are being special for you know a good word which brings us to number four, hearing voices or conversations or whispering or even crying when you know that either you're by yourself or the children are asleep or it's the dead of the night and you just got up to get something to drink and you're suddenly hearing what shouldn't be happening. and Or something that sounds like it's actually trying to talk to you, trying to get your attention. So... This might be a thing, especially if it's a repeat scenario. So, like, every time you're up and around at, like, 11.45 at night and you hear these whisperings, you know, this might be something that is going on, something some ghost hunters or paranormal investigators would consider a potential residual haunting where the ghosts are basically on replay. You know how kids like to rewatch their favorite DVD over and over and over again. Well, it can happen as well, especially if something tragic has happened and the energy is still there. The tragedy or the scenario in the spirit realm and the and, and the other realm is replaying itself. And you're just hearing, basically, the replay. Now, sometimes these residual hauntings are even visual. We'll see it. Seeing things brings us to number five and number five is where you are constantly seeing things or a movement in your peripheral vision now it's something something moves and you're you're like what was that or it was like something catches your eye in the corner of your eye or if you're watching tv and it's coming at you the corner of your eye and it's enough to trigger your senses that something is there. And the scary part is it's probably something that shouldn't be there. Now, this has happened to me a lot. In fact, one of the most prevalent times that this actually happened to me in this house was we were actually sitting at the table. I was sitting at the head of the table, so I was facing the living room. And we were having a family discussion. When I saw a head pop out, from the kitchen wall and I literally jumped out of my seat and said oh my god did you guys see that in the middle of this family meeting that we were having and even as I was writing my notes for this very episode I kid you not I shit you not I am not joking the the craft room the podcast room the door was open and as I'm you know tapping away editing my notes I see something poke its head out from the open door. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> it's happening live, folks. It's happening live as I'm getting ready to discuss these very things. Now, my uncle was kind of sort of that way. A lot of the times I would see him in the reflection 
of the living room. This is when I first moved in, so I didn't have curtains up. So the second I had curtains, I actually stopped seeing him in the reflection of the window in the, in the living room. And that was primarily most of my activity that's occurred in my house is from the hall into the living room. And the, from the living room, you can go into the dining room, and then you can loop into the kitchen. But so that area, that entrance from the hall into the living room, and then it's a couple steps and you're into the dining room, is and has been, in my opinion, the most active, if you will. Now, a lot of people consider these entities or these dark shadows to be shadow people. And shadow people, they don't know a lot about, but they don't believe that they're good entities or good spirits, which is probably why my uncle revealed himself with the t-shirt to let me know that it was him and that he was okay. But either way, if it's shadow people, you just don't want to engage. Don't even try. Again, they don't believe that these are good entities. Now, let's talk about number six, cold spots. If for some reason you're like walking through your house and you go through this imaginary cloud of frigid temperatures and you're like, Jesus Christ, what was that? And we're talking something in the ballpark of a sudden drop of temperature between 20 to 30 degrees. Like you're, it's like cold. It's not you're standing under the air conditioning vent that's on. It's like, what the hell was that? Now, in an article I read, they suggested investing in a small space heater and placing it in the center of the cold spot. So if you have like an area that is constantly cold, that's like a constant issue, you know, someplace in your bedroom or in the middle of the hall, if this little space heater fails to warm up this centralized cold cold spot, then you really might have a problem if the space heater does not heat up the cold spot. And again, you know, the, the cold spots could be a residual thing too. So they're only happening at 1145 at night when you're walking to get yourself a glass of water in the middle of the night. Now, number seven is something that I personally, I'm certain, okay, I'm not that old. I am very certain has actually happened to me. And I'm talking about items disappearing and reappearing in places you don't believe you put them. A lot of times I keep my keys, for instance, because that seems to be the most prevalent. Somewhere between the living room, dining room, and the kitchen. Because you walk in, you hit the living room, and the dining room's to my right. And, you know, everyone sets everything on the table there. Including my keys, my wallet, my cell phone. And there have been several times where I felt that I had left these particular items in these areas, and when I go back to pick up, especially these fuckers do this to me, especially when I am running late. I'm late for work, I'm late for this, I'm late for that, and then I'm spending the next 10 minutes looking for my cell phone. And it, we're not talking the scenario where we're looking for our cell phone while using our flashlight of the cell phone in our hand, complaining how we can't find our cell phone. I'm not talking about that. I mean, it was right here. Where the hell did it go? And then you find it later in an area where you're like, I wasn't even in here. So I'm fairly certain this has happened to me. 
And luckily, I've been able to find these items. But there have been times where it was like, it was right here. Where did it go? And then I would find it, you know, hours or days later. So things disappearing and reappearing is, in my opinion, a very strong sign that something is going on in your house. All right, number eight. This one is, so we're kind of escalating here. This one is where you actually see shit moving around on its own accord. I mean, we're talking doors, cabinets, things sliding off the counter, crashing to the ground without the fucking cat being like, nope, nope, today. Or if, for instance, you walk out of the kitchen, you come back and all the cabinet doors are open and you're the only one in the house, that's a pretty big sign. Things moving on its own accord. Or knowing that something was open, like a closet door or the bedroom door, and or you hear it close. You may not necessarily see it, but it moves on its own and it closes on its own. Now, escalating to from there, from shit actually moving, hearing or seeing or knowing for a fact that's not possible. Let's talk about the others in your house that has a different sensory than you do. I'm, of course, referring to our pets. If our dogs and cats start acting strange, start acting different, start staring at a wall that's got nothing going on, starts barking at a wall or closet or doesn't want to go into a room, is afraid, is exhibiting fear, it becomes scared, runs away. Or in my favorite movie, the situation with Sadie the dog, where the dog absolutely refused to even go inside the house. The dog was like, nope, nope. And the dad was like, okay, I guess we'll just keep you outside. And, you know, the movie continues from there. But... Dogs, cats, cool thing about cats is, you know, they, they definitely operate on a different sensory level than, than humans do. And it's said that they can see entities and spirits. They're watching them and that the Egyptians even considered them the gatekeepers of the, of the underworld, the spirit world. So, you know, who knows what they were really onto. I mean, we just know what we know now, but it doesn't necessarily mean we know everything about their understanding of what cats' capacities are. Now, a number 10 is odors, smells. And we're talking, you know, just rando smells that are like, what is that? Rotting meat or something that just isn't right? A stench that isn't right? And... Even more, so like 10.1, if the odors are localized in one area and tend to, uh, I can't say appear because we don't see them, but tend to vaporize or not vaporize, 
tend to happen at a specific time of day. Like every time at three o'clock, something in the there's something in the hall that smells funky. And you're like, what the funky is this? So and again, it kind of all goes back to the residual scenario. You know, something, some entities replaying some tragic moment or some terrible situation at three o'clock every day. Now, again, escalating the sensation or belief that something has touched you, number 11. Now, if an entity is strong enough to touch you, this is kind of serious. I personally have felt touched, surprisingly, not just in my house, but sometimes I feel like something's playing with my hair at work. I do think it's a friend of mine who has recently passed. So it may not necessarily be a bad thing, but if you don't know, you know, Joe, who the fuck is touching you, that could be a bad thing. But I do kind of get the impression that it's either my mom or my friend. But that's not everyone's experience, of course. So we're talking hair touching. We're touching like a hand clamp or, you know, like a, a soft brush against your cheek or, you know, just a push. Pushes are bad, people. Pushes are real bad. Or something striking you and you're getting a bruise or scratches. Those are really bad things. So that's not friends, okay? That's not mom. That's something bad. So, you know, again, it could be a, a friendly spirit entity or it could be a bad one depending on what they're doing. So touching is super, could go either way. Number 12 on our, on our last one is having really strange dreams like we're talking, I can have dreams where I, there's plots and there's subplots. I could have really like soap opera dreams. Okay. I've had those dreams. I've woken up exhausted because it's like, oh my God, let me tell you about my dreams. But these are the, the kind of dreams I'm referring to are the ones that just felt like something was trying to communicate with you. Something was trying to reach out to you that, there's something there, like something's pressing on you or there's something unwell going on, un unhealthy going on, something bad is going on. So, again, uh, because you're unconscious and you're, you've opened that gateway to, you know, entities reaching out or having the ability to reach out, it's entirely possible because you're asleep, it makes you susceptible and so if you're having these strange dreams, if something feels like it's trying to communicate to, to or with you, that might be a sign as well. Now, one of the most prevalent episode or experience I had in this house actually happened while I was cooking dinner. I was in the house... And at that time, we were hosting a foreign exchange student from Germany. I was standing in the kitchen because I was cooking dinner. And it sounded as if somebody was moving furniture 
right above me. And I'm not kidding. The attic at that time was completely empty. There's nothing in there. And this went on for about five solid minutes. I mean, I, I was standing in the kitchen with my spatula in my hand going, what the fuck is that? I think I was even making meatballs, but that's not the point. I walked over to the, the child's room and I said, hey, are you hearing anything? And he said, yeah, it sounds like you're moving furniture. And I said, where's the noise coming from? And he pointed his finger directly up, indicating the attic. And again, it sounded like someone was moving a sofa, a couch. And it was just the two of us in the house. And there was absolutely nothing in the attic. I was so petrified. I made Jeff go in there, get the ladder, do the whole nine yards, turn on the light up there. There was nothing. I was so petrified. I didn't even sleep very well that night. I was just... And I've heard weird walking around at night. That doesn't seem plausible. And I think the activity does tend to kick up when there are younger people in the house versus when I'm in the house just by myself or, like, um, it's just adults living here because we've gone through, you know, a few cycles of kids living here and then they're gone and then there's kids living here things of that nature and to me the biggest confirmation that there was something going on that there is something going on in my house and it's ebb and flow it's not consistent it is absolutely not consistent I would say you know the activity that's going on now is probably about a fifth of what I've seen so it's there but it's not a lot but to me the most prevalent proof that something is going on in my house was when Jeff and I, my husband Jeff and I, went on a cruise. We were we went to Mexico, so we we weren't even in the in the country. My father was gracious enough to house sit, and when we got back, he was like, "I gotta go, I gotta go. I'll see you guys later," and he just left. And I was like, "Well, he's kind of weird, anyways." couple days later my father called me and my father is not into any of this he don't want anything to do with it nothing it, he doesn't necessarily think it's the devil or any stupid shit like that he's just it's not his jam it's just not his jam so a couple days later a couple days pass he calls me up he goes i gotta talk to you i gotta talk to you i was like everything okay he's like no i gotta talk to you i was like what's going on and he goes you have ghosts in your house. And I was like, where did you see them? And he said he saw them in the living room by the front door. That's actually not been my experience. But my dad, in, when he comes to visit, he prefers to hang out in the living room. He likes the couch. He's got the TV. He's got, you know, the power of the remote. So he's happy there. So it doesn't come to any surprise that he or the entities would choose to show themselves where he can see them by the front door as opposed to where I have been known to see them, which is on the opposite side of the room 
in the in where the hall entrance is into the li- into the living room. So to me, that was absolute confirmation that there has been activity in the house. And like I said, even as I was writing my notes for this episode, there was something something poked its head out from the door frame, the open door frame. Now, before I let you go, I do want to give you a little tool about if you have these concerns and you know you're not crazy. I hate that fucking word. When we know, we know. That's it. We have instincts for a reason. The instincts is to tell us this is what's up. You need to check this shit out. Now, I got this information from joincake.com. These are ways to find out if someone died in your house. This is an article by Sarah Kessler. I'm quoting her. Or I'm referring to her. She she actually does have a pretty good comprehensive list. Uh, The first one that she suggests is do a basic search on Google. Check around social media. This is, I mean, you never know what you can find. But, you know, Google is a good search engine. She also recommends looking around newspaper archives. That could be a little time-consuming if you don't know what you're looking for. You're really looking for a needle in a haystack. But the archives are there. And the same kind of goes for obituaries and death notices, which is what she also suggests. However, and this one is a good one, you can ask the current homeowner, you know, the person you're buying the house from, or the real estate agent. And here's the clincher. Some states require that you are legally entitled to know if somebody has died. And these this vary. So like the state of California, if somebody has died in the house within the last three years, they have to disclose that information to you. I know this, you know, having purchased this house, I was never informed. So I, I, I don't know. I have my suspicions about a previous owner. But they're just suspicions. But, you know, look into it. Look into it. Like I said, California says you, you have to disclose this information. And you have to let the buyers know that they could potentially be buying a murder house or what have you. But not that rule does not apply to every state. Okay. The other, and I think this is a great way, is to talk to your neighbors. Your neighbors know a lot of shit for living inside their houses. I don't know anything. Don't don't ask me. I I don't even know my neighbors next to me their names. Okay, I know the guy next to me. That guy. I have two neighbors. I only know one, so that should tell you. Especially the older ones, and they watch. They got nothing else to do. They're watching. They're watching the neighborhood. They're the neighborhood watch. But. Sarah also offers this suggestion, and I, and I kind of poked around. I can't say I have a whole lot of experiences, but she also recommends trying www.housecreep.com. H-O-U-S-E-C-R-E-E-P.com. And, yeah, you'll find out some information. You put your, you put your address in, and or the address in, and if the the house was known to have criminal activity or some any nefarious situation going on at you know thirteen thirteen mocking 
Mockingbird Drive. House Creep will let you know if they know. So there you have it. 12 potential sure signs that your house is haunted. And a few ways to find out how you can find out if someone has died or even nefarious scenarios happening in the house you just purchased. In case something is going bump in the night and you're like, what What the fuck is this? I need to find out. Okay, so that is all I have for you tonight. On to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. We have a Facebook page. And if you are curious or interested and would like to join, send me a request. But in the meantime, if you have a place or would like some more follow me for life tips episodes, then you send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. But until next time, in between the bumps in the night, please remember only the few can find the beauty in the darkness when we're not scared and screaming like little girls, which is why we hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs>